just be who you are supposed to be in Christ everywhere you're at. Not, not, not just the church. Don't just come to church and get this church fixed thing on. That's not life, right? Life doesn't look like that. Mm-hmm. Life looks messy. You wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you take your shower, you go have breakfast, you go to work. That's life. And as you're doing that, talk about the stuff that you learned, right? Are you reading the scripture? What did you hear today? So don't just be a Christian one day a week. <laughs> Listen, well, no one's nothing one day a week. That's, sure. the, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's not normal, right? Uh, well, my dad has all these sayings about church. I'm, I'm trying to write a book with him to kind of share all of these kind of quirky things that he's taught me over the years. Right. And one of them that we say at our church is we don't do weird stuff. Like if you go to a church and it's weird, like we're not doing that. It doesn't matter what you think that is. Hey, I'm Armando LaDuke, producer, film actor, and owner of LaDuke Entertainment. I have chosen a life off the beaten path and wanted to find others that are doing the same. Spaghetti on the Wall is a show based on all of the years that I've thrown spaghetti on the wall and nurtured what's stuck. We will share fun stories, ideas, tips, tricks, and more. Welcome to Spaghetti on the Wall. What's up, what's up, what's up? Spaghetti on the Wall, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with another episode, and we have my, and we have my boy, Victor <laughs> Scott. Hello. Victor Scott. Yes, back sir. in the day, growing up together, man. Same neighborhood, Ooh. same barrio. Man. Same caserio. No, it's not. No, no I don't know about all that. Barrio. barrio. Yeah. <laughs> I guess barrio works. It's the barrio, right? <laughs> um, man. So it's been it's been a minute. It has. We don't really get to uh, talk much, you know, follow each other on Facebook. But, um, you know. Well, I, we I guess if it's to... Facebook or Instagram official, it's still a friendship, right? I think. Yeah. I think that's the rules nowadays. Just because I don't see your face all the time. Right. It was, and it was crazy because we used to hang out all the time. You know, in high school, life de- life is what it and is, and then life happens, and you know, it just happens. So you know, directions. but but what's cool about you know friendships like this is that, boom! As soon as we you know, as soon as we see each other again, it's not it's not like time has passed. I, I don't know if you get the feeling sometimes, but it's like I, I get like thrown back in time, and yeah. I was like, I remember this guy, right? Yeah, it's the like oh I yeah, remember <laughs> like oh, wait, that's not the same guy in the right. sense of like. He's grown. He's married, kids, jobs, business. Oh, okay. But the essence, yeah, my essence. <laughs> when you boil is the it same. down to the core, that relationship is, you know, that dynamic is still there. And it's it's there. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And, and that's not true with everybody you meet in life. No, you know, and most so definitely not. I've always appreciated my brother here. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, when when you said you you could make it, I was just like, all right, I'm I'm ha- I'm happy. I love doing this show just because I love talking and, and catching up. Well, just so you know how much I, I appreciate you and love you, I drove into a city that I am not a big fan of right? in the rain through six accidents Oof. so that I could do this with you. I so, appreciate So it. I just want you to know. So even more so now. Th- this, is, this is, I do value the invite and I value the opportunity enough to put myself through the ordeal of arriving at this location. That's awesome. That's well, amazing. I appreciate Thank I thank you. I appreciate you. That's good, brother. So spaghetti on the wall is about, you know, all of my years of kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what's stuck. And mm-hmm. I'm always I'm always fascinated and interested in people's stories on how they have arrived at where they are in life. And you're a pastor at a church. I am. Uh, what's the name of the church? Ambassadors of Christ Ministries in Columbus, Georgia. Right I, am, uh, the, I am one of the pastors there. It's actually headed, led, directed by my father. Uh, Bishop Lewis R. Scott Sr. Want to throw a plug out at him? Boom, boom. And um, so he's uh, he's yeah. been there for. He started the church in '07, and I came about seven and a half years ago uh, to help him out and just do that. And so it's been. I know some people probably have weird relationships with working with their parent, but 
it's been a great relationship. That's awesome. With my dad. And so we have a good time, get to talk every day. That's cool. So it's I just, still work with my dad. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he plays in the band and, you know. It must be like this uh, weird Latino thing that we got going on. Yeah, like, we, you know. We don't mind our parents, I guess. We don't. I mean, I, my, my sister works with me, you know. Um, and um, well, my sister lives fact, across the street from my parents. Right. So it's like, it's we're all like right there. It is what it is. You yeah. know, it's like, it's like Greek families too, you know. Like we all <laughs> hang out. We all stay connected. It's, it's Greek. It's, it's cool. It's cool. So. So you're you're a pastor. What was that spaghetti on the wall moment for you? What when you were like, you know what? This is what I'm. This is what I'm gonna do. Oh man! Wow. Okay. So it actually happened when we knew each other more intimately in high school. I was 17 years old. Um, I was kind of in a weird place, just uh, relationship wise, and um, I realized that I needed to transition um, out of that situation into. Uh, something else. I didn't know what the something else was, but I knew that the that time had come to an end. And so um, I I was in like, it's hard to explain the story. So let me try to do the best I can. I was pretty much out with everybody. Like all my friendships were kind of falling apart. My relationship with my family was kind of not in a good place. And the only place I knew my parents would let me kind of go to leave the house would be to church. So on a Sunday night, I said, I'm going to go to church, even though I didn't want to go to church. I didn't want to go anywhere else, but I couldn't go anywhere else without them being like, no. So I went to church, and that night, I'm just sitting there, and the pastor who's preaching, who I'm not paying attention to, and I'm sitting, it's a huge church, I'm sitting in the back corner in the dark by myself, away from everybody. The lights are off in that particular section. I'm just like, I'm so angry with myself. I'm angry with the situation. Life is terrible. I don't know what I'm going to do. I need to figure this out. And all of a sudden, I just say to God, I just say to God, I said, if you can figure out a way to get me out of this, I'll do whatever you want. And I always tell people, never say that. Like, especially if you're a religious person, don't say that to God because God has a funny way of just saying, okay, I'm going to take you up on that. Right. So I'm sitting there, 17 years old, freaking out, trying to figure out what life is going to look like for me. I say this thing. And in that instant, I swear to you, it's one of those weird things. I don't call it a coincidence. I do truly believe it was a divine moment. The pastor points in these weird kind of gesticulations that pastors do from time to time. And I do it too. Like, I've kind of learned how to do this Can you thing. show me? It's just kind of like you do this weird thing. Like, God said, and just pointing. But he's talking, and all of a sudden, he points, right? The people he's talking to are right in front of them, in front of him. But he points off to his, with his left hand. Like, literally, I felt like his finger poked me in the Did chest. You? Yeah. There's nobody over there, right? This seats, the, the building seats 2,000 people. There's 150 people in front of him, and I'm in the in a dark corner of the thing, and he points, and it feels like it hits me in the chest. Mm-hmm. And he says, and he's talking about Jesus and some stuff, and he says, when G- Jesus did all that for you, and when he says you, he points right at where I'm at. And I instantly just broke down, just just weeping, and I was like, and this is this is the words that came into my mind at that moment. I will do whatever you ask. I just say this to God. I'll do whatever you ask. And I, so that I can do for someone else what he did for me. And it was just a clarifying moment for me where I realized that my life was not going to be just about trying to find some fulfillment for myself. I was going to try to do everything I could to help people. To fulfill other people. To help, to help people find peace, to help them find purpose, to help them find a way to live in this world. Right? So you, you, would you describe that as a calling? <clears throat> Yes, I mean that's the, kind of the typical language I yeah. guess you would use. In My mother's a minister, and she's, oh, she's awesome. talked about that too. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it at the time it was an impression. It was a sense of direction shift. Um, it became a calling. Now, I knew it was going 
turn into something because that, I mean, that night I go home. So just to kind of conclude that part of the story, I go home and I ask my dad to come into my room and I just say, um, I know that I haven't really been what I needed to be as a son. I've kind of been aloof and all this kind of stuff and distant because of the circumstances of my life at the time. I'm 17. I don't know what the crap I'm doing. But I look at him and I said, I don't know what this means, but I feel that God is going to lead me into ministry. And my dad just being the way he is, you know, chill and like, okay, and walks out. <laughs> okay, yeah. bye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, good. No doubt. Whatever. No doubt. Good for you, kid. <laughs> Whatever's happening. So, but that just began. That that began the process. It was it was uh, September of 1997. It was two weeks after my 17th birthday. Um, I think it was the 21st, if I remember, December 9th. So there I was. Um, have no idea what that meant, but I knew that my life was not going to be anything I thought it was going to be after that moment. What did you think it was going to be? I was thinking going to be an engineer. You know, um, I had I was already planning to go to Georgia Southern University, where I graduated from with a degree in sociology. But um, I thought I was going to be an engineer. And so that's what the plan was. I get to school, you know, a year later and engineering is not for me. I hate physics. (laughs) Math is my worst enemy. Uh, I can barely use the calculator on my phone like that's. And I was, I don't know what I was thinking about that at the time. <laughs> yeah, math is kind of important for engineers. I remember Miss Bowers, she was our, the algebra teacher, and she's like, and I'm not paying attention. She's like, Armando, <laughs> you are going to use this. And I was like, Miss Bowers, I will never use this. <laughs> never. I will never use this, ever. And she's like, yes, you will one day. And I'm 41. Haven't used it. I've never used it. You know algebra. what? I tell, I tell this to my kids. I have two daughters. I tell this to them, and I tell them to all their friends. <clears throat> there is one thing. Now, I love all my teachers, okay? They were great people. They helped shape me to become the person I am. Sure. There's only one thing that I learned in high school that I use every single day of my life, literally every single day of my life. What's that? Typing. <laughs> yes, yes. That typing class. I, Miss Carmichael. That, car, yeah. that, that was the only thing, and I hated that class at the time. Yeah. Every single day. I use typing. Yeah. It's the only thing Mrs. I Mrs. Carmichael was such a good influence on me. She was one of the only teachers in that school that believed I, I would do anything. She actually was like, you know, when, when I had gotten uh, Danny Zuko in, in Greece, she was like, Armando, this is, you know, this, this is, is something that you this should is your path. Do. Like, yeah. I, I've been seeing you struggle through high school, doing whatever it is that you're doing, causing trouble, going to ISS, <laughs> you know, um, but... This right here seems to be the thing that is going to like propel you. I and think so we all saw that too, man. Like I remember yeah. when when you got into drama, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what it was. You got into drama, and right. everybody was like, "Armando's a drama, right?" What? But it was just it fit. It fit your personality. It fit your temperament. It fit your passion. Yeah. It fit your gift. It just and everything. You're the one that suckered me into doing quartet with you. Yeah, I was like. I don't sing. Like, what yeah. do you want me to do? That and was so much fun. Singing man. bass. Like, yeah. I don't even think I have a good bass voice, but I was the, apparently I was the bass. And I was like, in this, is this like in the school's quartet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was the right boys' on. quartet. Dude, it was we like, we got cheated. Yeah, we, we got did. cheated. We, we totally they got cheated. Our drama teacher. Yeah. They cheated we should have, yeah. Oh, Shannon Doe. That's what, that, that's what we say. That's exactly right. And uh, yeah, it was so good, man. <laughs> it, it's so weird how, how things like that happen in mm-hmm. your life. And that's something that, you know, we talk about on the show is like, you know, it's not about s- always seeing what sticks, right. the spaghetti on the wall. It's nurturing what's sticking and mm-hmm. understanding that, like, that is what you should be doing. And if you're ignoring it or if you're 
too caught up in you know in the technology and we can talk about this here in a yeah. second because i know you say you were reading a book on like you know how to slow down and, and be lazy and I definitely need to have some of that, but, oh yeah, but, um, but you know, nurturing what's sticking is super important and not, not ignoring that and, and being courageous enough to like go forward on those moments. But you need people to remind you to do that. I think that's the other yeah. thing that, so part of my journey in ministry has been to do youth ministry. So I worked with a lot of young people, um, about 10 years of the last 15 years have been in youth ministry. And my wife would always say, you're just the kid's biggest cheerleader. And right. I said, Yes. I said, I am like, they pay me to go to baseball games and basketball games and cheerleading competitions and to encourage these kids. And then when they're succeeding, who's telling their story? Like I'm their advocate, right? That's and awesome. that's the way I saw what I was doing. And so they would come with to me and they were like, we have this idea. And I was like, this is insane. I said, let's try it. <laughs> so <laughs> so we like, let's do it, whatever right. it was. And they're like, really? You're like, yeah, let's try it. And I said, if it doesn't work, we'll fix it. And if it, that doesn't work, then we'll try something else, right? I wanted to encourage their their independence, right? Their, their self-reliance. Um, and in the, the church context, in their faith. And I wanted them to explore these things. I wanted there to be, you know, the, it's vogue now to call it a safe space, but I don't like that language because of some of the issues that it talks about, but because it makes it unsafe for other people. But I'm like, I want you to have an environment where you can test and try and explore and ask these questions, right? Um, I was having a conversation last night with a former youth. And I said to her, I said, um, I always wanted I, well, I, mean, I wanted, whenever a kid would ask me a question, it didn't matter to me how ridiculous it was. And some of them were ridiculous. I always took it seriously. Because what I wanted them to learn is that there is, you can have um, silly questions that have important ramifications in life, right? I know you're joking and you're trying to, you know, get a rise out of me. But I said, that question came from someplace. Th there's something behind that question. And I want you to know that at least from a faith perspective, there's an answer for that, you know? And, and I tried my best to find those answers. And sometimes I would say, I don't know yet, but I'm gonna help you find an answer for this. And I know you're joking, but it, it was always kind of like this posture that I took with them. I wanted them to know that, yeah, life is not always going to be, you know, uh, lollipops and rainbows. Mm. There's gonna be crazy stuff that happens, but there is a way through, there's a way past, and I wanna help you learn how to figure that out. And so that was just always the way I approached it. And I, it's what you're talking about is, but you need someone yeah, you do. who sees it in you and says, go do it. Go try it. Yeah. E even if you mess up or misstep, go, go do it. Go try it and That's not, right. and not be afraid. We were, we were having a conversation earlier before you got here, Victor. And it was something that Ron was saying was like, sometimes you just need someone to give you permission to, yes. Yeah. To go for the thing that you think you want to do. And it has to be somebody that you trust. I think we, we, we yep. minimize that sometimes because there's some people who'll tell you to do stuff and they don't have your best. You know, hey, Armando, good intentions. Go jump off that building. <laughs> exactly. Right. It'll but be it, cool. I'm going to get on camera. It needs to be somebody whose voice you trust and who you know would genuinely be encouraging you in a positive direction. Right. Right. That you can say, hey, I went and did it and it turned into an explosion of mess. And <laughs> right. then you're like, all right, what happened? Right. Then you can be, uh, what is it? Um, you can process that with them. Right. You know, and that's the other thing is like a lot of people don't have someone like that, that they can, one who they can trust, but also who can help them process the after action, you know, situation, like what happened? Why didn't it work out? And what can you do to improve? So what's y'all's outreach? Like, <clears throat> what do you mean? How do you guys, you know, what, oh, you mean at the church? Mm -hmm. Okay. I just, you switch gears. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, so what, one of the things that we focus on, so the, the mission statement of our church is we want to build genuine relationships. So lasting friendship is the way we talk about that. I'm a part of another organization that talks about friendship too, but, um, building genuine, um, 
friendships. And so for us, we what, what we like to say at our church is we want to normalize the Christian faith, that it shouldn't be weird for Christians to do what Christians are supposed to do, right? Christians should go to church and read the Bible and pray and talk to other people about their faith. It's just something you should do. It should not be something that you have to take out special amounts of time to do. It's just it's who I am, right? It's part of what I've become. And so our outreach is focused more. It's not like some kind of weird intentional thing where we do um, go knocking door to door. Like, you can't do that anymore. Pe- pe- that freaks people out, yeah. <laughs> right? So what we want to do is we want to encourage our members and anyone who connects with us, just be who you are supposed to be in Christ everywhere you're at. Not, not, not just the church. Don't just come to church and get this church fix thing on. That's not life, right? Life doesn't look like that. Mm-hmm. Life looks messy. You wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you take a shower, you go have breakfast, you go to work. That's life. And as you're doing that, talk about the stuff that you learned, right? Are you reading the scripture? What did you hear today? So don't just be a Christian one day a week. <laughs> Listen, well, no one's nothing one day a week. That's, sure. the, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's not normal, right? Uh, well, my dad has all these sayings about church. I'm, I'm trying to write a book with him to kind of share all of these kind of quirky things that he's taught me over the years. Right. And one of them that we say at our church is we don't do weird stuff. Like <laughs> if you go to a church and it's weird, like we're not doing that. <laughs> it doesn't right. matter what you think that is, right? And for some people, some things are weird and some people, some things aren't. Like right. for us, if it's typically it's something like people be like cringing at. Like we're snake not doing. handling. Well, I mean, some people think that's okay, but that's not me. So for me, that's weird, right? For me, that's weird. I'm not disparaging anybody. Do you have sure. a snake phobia too? Your brother does. Dude, I hate snakes. Oh, so you have one But as I well. think it has to do with Indiana Jones and falling into the thing. Right. Like right. that movie, like traumatized <coughs> me. Yeah. We can talk about that some other time. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's just whatever's normal, right? Whatever's normal. It doesn't, um, we don't want people to think that being a Christian requires some kind of highly elevated spirituality so here's uh, and and i'm gonna ask you this because you know because you're you're in the biz as, as they you. say um you I'm know a professional this whole, christian there yeah. you go the joel the joel austin thing you know that that Which part? that's going on well so they so they found money ah, right okay. in in the wall okay in the wall of his of his private bathroom is that right no uh, no 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 i don't know no, no i think it was in the i thought it was just a ball i thought the it building. was in the church yeah, yeah. yeah. just listen the church is the old um Houston yeah, Rockets. Astrodome, right? No, the Houston Rockets. I thought it was the basketball stadium. Yeah, the old basketball the Okay. Yeah, it's the old basketball. That's yeah. a big building. It's a huge building. A lot of bathrooms there. That's huge. So anyways, what was your so, question? So well, the, the question is, you <laughs> yeah. know, uh, do you watch Righteous Gemstones? I Probably don't. Not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely <laughs> not. A, it's about it's about this Christian uh, church, but it's not really a Christian I got you. Um, project, I, but I kind of figured. But it's, it's, it's about uh, a family it's, that tre- it's, treats Christianity as a business. Correct. It's it's gotcha. But yeah. what I'm what I'm getting at is the is these like mega churches and some of these like pastors that are, you know, living extravagantly and things like that. Right. What 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 are your thoughts on that? Are okay, you, you're not you're not. You're, I'm not going to be controversial in my answer about this. Okay. I'm going to answer you honestly, but I'm not going to be disparaging about it sure okay. you know, it, it doesn't right. necessarily need to be it, it can be sure th- 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 this is this is a hot button topic among people who are in ministry sure okay and so it also depends the branch of the christian church that you sure. you participate in so I, I want to be gracious on, on this score right um one of the challenges that happens in ministry right and this is and the thing is is that this is actually a business principle so it's just something kind of funny that that it overlaps um how do you scale a church, right? Scale up or scale down. How do you actually take what you're doing, if it's working, and 
and, and grow your in, congregation. Increase it, right? Yeah. And so some people are naturally entrepreneurial. They, they just have a natural bent towards understanding business principles and uh, implementing systems and all this kind of stuff, right? And those people tend to go or, or go end up in churches that are growing or become very, very large. The problem that I have is not so much whether a church is large or small. What I have is have they lost focus on what the purpose of the church is, period, right? Mm-hmm. And so that dep- that's determined by that individual leader's understanding of why the church exists in the world, right? The church does not exist to grow for its own sake. The church exists to expand the kingdom of God, which is the message, sh- which is shown yeah. in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if a church is doing that, it can have five members, or it could have five hundred thousand members, and it will be a godly church, right? But is is it godly for a pastor to have a private plane and multiple Rolexes and luxurious cars and a gigantic mansion? So here here's the issue of of, of prudence, right? If if that person is doing that off the backs of people, that would be considered a form of fleecing the congregation, right? But to use a different example of someone who's a mega church, Rick Warren, Dr. Rick Warren is mm-hmm. the pastor of Saddleback ba- ba- uh, Church in California, right? And he does what he calls reverse tithing. He doesn't get any money from the church anymore, right? He, he, all his money, all his income comes from um, the, the, in his uh, royalties, from the books that he's written and the things that he does. Or public speaking or something Public like speaking that, yeah. that he gets paid for, and then he tithes almost 90% of that. That's what I was told, right? That's what I remember hearing. Right, so that seems like an ethical way of doing things. He has a huge church, and he could have all kinds of things, but that's a personal choice that he made, right? So if if we if you take a multi million dollar business, right? Now, churches and businesses are not the same, so I'm 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 going to acknowledge that. But if you take a multi million dollar business, no one is going to balk at the fact that the the CEO is making whatever he's making. Sure. Right. So if you have a pastor who's overseeing the lives of fifteen thousand people, and the has you know. 2,000 employees and has multi-million dollars worth of, it would be okay in my book for that person to be compensated at a rate that makes sense, right? The problem that you run into, again, is the issue of character, right? Are you saying that that is, for me, I'm not a prosperity preacher, right? So I don't believe that God's goal is to make everybody healthy, wealthy, and wise. Maybe wise, but not healthy and wealthy necessarily. Because that's not life. life that's, on, that's, filled, on, that's on you to get there. Right. The th- life is filled with all kinds of things. Sure. If you're saying that's the central idea of the gospel, I'm going to disagree with you on that score. But that's a theological question, right? If you want to ask a practical question about how much should a person who's responsible for all of this be compensated, that's a question that that individual organization sure. needs to determine. Mm. And so that's why I want to be gracious. Now, are there people who are scoundrels? Yes. Yeah, but that's true of any business. Yes. Sure. Yes. That's true of anything. So I don't want to lump everybody in together without looking at each individual situation, right? And I think that's the problem with today anyway is that everybody's getting lumped and you're left, you're right, you you right. believe this, you believe that and be like, "Well, hold on, it's a lot more nuanced than just that." You know, like I have conservative values as as well as liberal values. I I believe in this, but I'm not necessarily believe in that. Tell us exactly specifically what you believe. <laughs> well, what I'm going to say right here is <laughs> Let's get down to brass tacks. Let's go. Oh my! What I'm do kidding. I believe? I'm kidding. Oh, I will say. I well, the thing it. is, is that when you pigeonhole people, what you do is that you actually restrict a person's ability to be themselves. I right. think you restrict their ability to change too when you when yes. you pigeonhole people like that. Mm. Yes. Um. You know, that's I, very wise. I of think you. I, you do, man. Yeah, no, it's like, true though. You, I, I think that people don't get credit for changing either. Like, um, you know, 
There might be somebody who, who uh, like a, a reformed racist, right? There are people who would never be able to, to accept that person because they were a racist at some point. But you should, you should be glad that they came around to the right way of, of viewing things. Right. Like, yes, they were wrong before, but they've changed. They've, re- they've, they've learned. They've educated themselves. They've changed their character. They understand that was wrong. Um, so praise them for that. Don't don't hold them down because of the way they used to be. Praise them for the, who they are now. This reminds me of a story that a friend of mine who was a police officer said, and it, it, it impacted me so much. This is about 15 years ago. It impacted me so much. It really affected the way I think about ministry as well as life. He said, when I as a cop show up, it's usually I show up on a person's worst day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Which means that there's a lot of life that I didn't see in that person that was good, right? But I found them on their worst day. And if we, if we hold people to their worst moment, mm. we are not giving them an opportunity to mature, to grow, to be wise, and to, and to be, a, be a positive influence for someone else, right? And so I think you're right. I think what happens is that it's so easy to hold someone to a moment in time, yeah. a moment in time, that for whatever reason, right, and the reasons could be many, they made a bad choice. Mm. They made a poor decision. And some, the thing is we can't escape the consequences of those, right? So I'm not saying that people should just be let off if they do something horrible, right? But, but we should allow that person, if they embrace the reality of what happened, to say, I grew from this. I learned from this. If, if you've seen Shawshank Redemption, mm-hmm. right? He has Red, a screenplay on his on his. Yeah, I do. I Beautiful. Do. Red at the end, right? He says, do, do I regret, would I go back and tell that younger version of myself not to do that horribly stupid thing, right? Yes, that's exactly what you want. You want to give every person that opportunity. Now, for him, it happened in, incarcerated in the movie, but he, he recognized that the stupid young man that he was is not the old man that he, that is. he is now. Yeah, yeah. Right? And so, like, I love storytelling. Like, I love movies for that. Like, I try to find as many illustrations when I'm talking to people and kids because there's so much truth in, in life in what you see in those things. And so that, that's a great example. Like, if he would have been unrepentant, right? Red says, screw everybody, and I'm glad I killed that guy, and I'm glad I'm here. And I'm gonna Everybody would be, like, justified, like, you're, you're not going you're anywhere. You're right where you need to be, yeah. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. But he recognized that his life had – the life that he had desired then as that kid – gone right and now the life that he's going to have to make now is going to be whatever he can you know gather up from the pieces that are left and that's a sad story but it's also a hope filled oh, it's story. all about hope exactly that's the whole message of that movie exactly and that's when isn't that the last word of the movie well, right i hope yeah and when he goes to I hope. when he goes to meet andy <laughs> and all that kind of stuff that in spite of everything in spite of everything there was still a possibility yeah Whenever that possibility is gone, that's when you get despair and you get depression and you get all kinds of bad things that come. Is when people lose that, and so that's the thing. It's like I, I want to, I want to infuse as much hope as I can in my life and in the life of those around. That's me. awesome. Let me ask you this: Do you ever feel? I mean, you have to feel doubt at some point, right? Or do you never feel doubt in, 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 in a, a generalized in, in my faith? Yes. yes. No. Never. never? No. I doubt myself. I don't doubt what I believe about God. So I've asked my mother that question. Mm-hmm. She was ordained like in 
okay. three, eight, four. What, what tradition, if you don't mind? Methodist, name? United Methodist. I got you. Um, but at old UMC. As I got older, I you know I, I asked her that question. I said, "Do you ever have you ever had moments of doubt in your faith?" And she was like, "All the time." Yeah. And I was like, well, "What do you do about it?" And she was like, "I talk to God, and then He reaffirms my faith." But yeah, I I doubt it. Is it real? Is it, what I'm what I've chosen to do with my life? Did I do the right thing? Like she said, she has moments like that. All the time, they're fleeting. And but what she she said that what she does when she has those moments is she she reaches out to her to 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 God, and she gets the answer that she's looking yeah, for so all the time. Let, let me clarify a little bit what I mean. Okay. I, my doubts are not so. Do I have doubts about things? Yes, but they're, they they reside in me. They reside in my ability to recognize what's going on in the world around me. Right I, when I look at the world, I have this very overwhelming sense that there's something bigger. Right. And, and I know that sounds kind of like generalized, but the thing is, is that it starts with that. It starts with that awareness that there's something more out here in this world than just me, mm-hmm. right? There's you. I mean, just even in this room, there's several people. But you expand that beyond just the people in the room, the people in the on the continent, the people in the world, the universe. And all of a sudden, you start saying, there's, there's got to be something else. And then you that exploration leads you down a certain path. Sure. And, and people come to different conclusions, and you know they're entitled to do those things, and I'd love to have those kinds of conversations. But I've ne- once you get you get to a point where you realize there's something going on. And when you get to that point, it almost becomes overwhelming and undeniable. And so that's what I mean. I don't doubt that, mm-hmm. that there is this overarching supernatural reality. Right. I, now, and for me, I've come to find that clearly manifested and explained through the Christian faith, right? So my doubts reside in my ability to connect with those things that I've come to be aware of. So it's not, yeah, I've doubted the calling. and all, Yeah, <clears throat> but it's not about the reality of who, if there is a God, I believe there is. Right. Like that's undeniable to me at this point. And, you know, I've been at this for a long time. So it's like, it's not something that I just casually just say, I've come to a place where I really believe there is a God. He exists. He has spoken and he has spoken through a person called Jesus Christ. And now I'm going to live my life according to that. And so that that's kind of where I, I sit on that. But are there moments where I'm like, Victor, are you, are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> like, I feel confident <laughs> right. God knows what he's doing, but do you know what you're, that's where I'm like, eh, well, Mm. So I go to God. I'm like, all right, God. Yeah. So is that so that's what you do? Um, yeah. You know, because like sometimes I I you know I get overwhelmed in just how I'm scaling this business as quickly as I am, and you know, and then mm-hmm. people are all like, all right, Armando, we're following you, and I'm like, should you be? <laughs> like, well, but I think that's right. I, I think that's healthy. I think it's healthy for you not to to you know believe your own press. Yeah, don't believe your own hype too much. Right. Because it, it's, it's good to stay humble. Well, it's, it's yes, I would say it's humble, but it's also healthy to remember that you're responsible for a lot of things around you, right? You know, I'm responsible for my family. I'm responsible for the things that I'm doing at the church. I'm responsible for the friendships that I keep. And so I, you, you need to feel the weight of that. You need to feel the weight of that. You can't just dismiss that as it's, it's inconsequential. It is very important, you know? Mm. You're responsible for your family and your business and the people who depend on that. And so it's good to feel the weight of that to say, okay, is this, am I doing what I can in the best interest of the people that I'm responsible for? I'm not responsible for the world, right? right. I'm responsible for the people that are in my life, the people that actually, that I, I have contact with on a regular basis. And so am I doing right by them, right? Just as an example, I used to tell the kids all this. What, is, what does it mean to have a responsibility? It means to have the ability to respond to that thing, right? So on the way up here, um, I, pa- I passed by six accidents. What was my responsibility? Right? 
if I didn't see any emergency vehicles, my responsibility was to make a call, right? I'm not an EMT. I'm not a doctor. I don't have any special equipment. There's nothing I could have done beyond making a call and saying, hey, there's an accident on the side of the road. But I saw plenty of people, so my responsibility was not to do anything at that point, right? But if I come on a, if I'm driving on a dirt road and I see a car in the ditch, my responsibility is to stop and to actually do something because I'm able to respond to that and to whatever degree it goes. If I find that they're just at a flat tire, then maybe I can help them do that. If they have a broken bone, then again, I don't know how to set that. Right. Right. So <laughs> learning. You don't? No, I don't. I'm, I didn't do the boy stuff. That's not there. part of seminary, no? Oh, no. There's, there's a lot of things that weren't a part of seminary. But, the, um, but that's what I'm saying. Like, we have to learn how to gauge what is actually my ability to respond to the situation. Right. And then when you realize what that is, you go up to that line, you do the best you can, and you can't feel guilty for the part you couldn't do. And that's where most people get tripped up. Hmm. They start feeling guilty for the things that they wish they could have done but had no training, experience, or insight on, and then they feel guilty. I wish I could have done something. But you couldn't. You literally did not have the ability mm -hmm. to respond. So don't feel bad about that. right? Do the best you can up to the point where you can respond. And I, let me tell you something. I know it, sounds kind of, it might sound kind of weird to say it that way, but that has been some of the most helpful advice that I've given and that I've taken <laughs> to myself because then I know that I do what I could do. And if I did that, then I have to find some solace and peace in that. I can't, I can't be doing what I don't know how to do. I can't do surgery. I can't cure cancer, right? And then there's people out there you know, driving themselves mad because I wish I could. You can't. You literally can't. Right. And it's okay. Yeah. It's okay not to be able to do so what's the future of, what, what, where do you see yourself in five years? Ooh. Still at my church. Um, hopefully having published uh, maybe 10 books. I'm working on some stuff. I'm looking at publishing some uh, on public domain stuff because there's a lot of wisdom um, out there that is being lost. Um, and now with technology being the way it is, I'm doing that um, a little bit more intentionally. Um, you know, I've published six books up to this point, helping my dad publish his books. Um, you know, you've published six books. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. They're smaller books. I mean, I'm not trying to diminish that, but it's just, it's just projects that I've started. And I'm like, I'm just going to, I already did the work. I'm going to put it out there. Um, so I started doing self publishing about 15 years ago. So I've been doing that and I've helped about, you know, 15 authors publish over 60 books. That's awesome. In the, in that time, it's, it's a side thing. It takes up way too much of my time. <laughs> so I had to kind of put that aside because it was distracting me, but um, I love helping uh, independent authors publish. I love doing it. Um, so my my responsibility is I can take you from idea to book in hand. If you want marketing, you got to talk to somebody else. Right. <laughs> like that's not me. But if you have an idea and you want to get it to print, I can get you from idea to book in hand. Give you all the things you need to do. Keep, give you all the idea uh, insights as to what you need to look out for, and I can get you to publish your book. And then after that, you're gonna have to. Do the marketing on your own. That's when you not. call. That's when you call your brother. That's so you yeah. The marketing yeah, done. No doubt. Yeah, yeah. That's when you call the uh, <coughs> the other the other guy. Because I'm not I'm not good at that. Heard that, man. So, um, in closing, yeah. Um, one, uh, let let them know where they can find you. So, uh, man, that's weird. Okay, so, uh, victorscott.org is just my website, personal website. I write uh, things about faith and uh, and sometimes culture. Um, victorscott.org. I am Victor Scott at uh, Instagram. And um, there's a couple places you can find me if you want to connect. Um, I'm really bad about some of that stuff, but sure. if, you, if you reach out to me, I'll, I'll contact you. I have a rule, just a, just a funny rule, uh, is if your number is in my phone, 
I never delete a number. If your number's in my phone. I do the same thing. I will pick up. If it's not, leave a message, and I'll call you back. So that's my rule. So um, if we connect, more than happy to just get to know you and hang out and see what's up. That's, That's awesome. very cool. I like that. Um, you ever you ever done a um, a podcast? Like, do you have like a, a blog that 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 you do? That victorscott.org. So that is, is the blog. That's that my blog. Mentioned. I was actually talking to uh, your sister. I was like, I've been thinking about doing a, a podcast, but I haven't been able to figure out the format I want to use. So uh, whether I need to do like some talking head thing or just um, something like you, this. I mean, I there know. there are people that do like motivational podcasts, uh, just w- the, by themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's also those folks that yeah they do the interview style. So yeah. there's lots of different ways you can. I do like it. talking. So I don't know. It's good, man. So it's you good. Know. You you you're, you're good at it. Yeah, you should you really are. you should totally do this, man. I've been I've been talking for 20 years, so it's like I yeah, should, I should be good at it. Yeah, you should yeah. totally have. I mean, dude, I, and 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 my responsibility would be to um, help you uh, create a podcast because hey. I think I think a lot of people could benefit from listening to. Um, to your advice and 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 I've, I've always as i'm as you're talking i'm all like man why am i not talking to victor more often <laughs> this guy this is somebody i should most definitely be talking to on a, on a regular basis i uh i have uh what's oh i forgot the fr- phrase but anyways it's um i always have an answer whether or not i'm right right or wrong is a different question true question. true I, I don't have a problem looking up stuff i love reading i love researching so mm-hmm. you know you you ask me a question i'll, I'll be fr- more than happy to say, I have no idea, <laughs> right? But I'll get back with you. Get back to me. I'll get back to you because I like I like helping people and I like learning. I like just learning random. I have so much random information in yeah. my head about yeah, that's awesome random stuff. <laughs> well, cool, man. Thank you so much, yeah. everybody. This was spaghetti Thank on you, the Victor. wall, Victor. Such Thanks. a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Time.